Alright, welcome back to the Air Raid Podcast, formerly known as Hip Dad Sports, brought to you by Hip Dad Radio. I'm your host, Cooper Hopcraft, and welcome back. And one more thing before we begin, you know what to do. Follow me on Instagram at cooper.hopcraft and DM me any questions and I will answer as many as possible. Uh, so DM me for a chance for me to read your uh, question out loud. I'll probably read it. And I have a bunch, I have a lot of good ones about football and the Dallas Cowboys and a lot of, it's a very heavy NFC East podcast. So if you're an, a fan of any NFC East team, you're going to like this one. Unless you're an Eagles fan. So I know there's a little bit of an echo. I am in Chicago right now and the uh, the environment is not very sound friendly but uh it will be fixed next week when i'm back in st louis so in today's episode we're going to start off by talking about today's thanksgiving nfl games followed by what a lot of people want me to do is what happened to carson wins then we're going to talk about uh is college football defense a thing of the past and then i'm going to discuss the um college football playoff ranking and a lot of other controversy around it and then because this is chicago podcast i'm going to talk about the northwestern wildcats and uh, if the number eight spot is legit, and if they have a shot at the title. And then lastly, answering the questions, and I have a couple of them, so stay tuned. So starting off, we only have two NFL games today. It's the uh, Texans at the Lions and Washington at the Cowboys. And it's funny because every, every, I think everybody has the Texans winning because the Lions are always so bad on Thanksgiving. It's probably like a curse. That always, it, it, it's, it's weird not seeing the Bears play on Thanksgiving. Also weird seeing, uh, also weird seeing Ohio State not play Michigan. But, you know, that's COVID for you. Um, I think the Lions, what's Desmond Trufant, Jeff Okuda, Kenny Galladay are all out. So basically, the Lions are going to get smoked by the Texans. I say that, and they're probably going to blow them out. And then the Cowboys versus the Redskins, that's going to be a good game. I think last year was the Cowboys versus the Bills. No, Cowboys versus the Giants. Somebody They played somebody in blue last year on Thanksgiving. But, I mean, any, any NFC East game, a lot of people... A lot of people hate on the NFC East because it's so bad and it is so atrocious. But I think this will be the probably a really good game and draw over 20 million viewers, probably because it's prime time Thanksgiving football, and that is at 3:30. Uh, you're gonna see the, um, the quarterback situations. Let's see, Andy Dalton versus most likely Alex Smith. But I think everybody in the right mind would want to see Dwayne Haskins play because the Redskins did him dirty. And I, you know what? I'll just talk about that. Dwayne Haskins was given a, a screwdriver and a screw and asked to build an entire city on the Redskins. He's been asked to do so much, and they give him nothing, and they get surprised when he fails, which is kind of dumb. Like, if you put Daniel Jones in that situation, he fails too. So uh, he he has it in him. It's they're not, they're, The Redskins aren't giving him what they need. And, you know, everybody's talked about, oh, they should have drafted another quarterback this year and this and that. It's like, well, they probably, whoever they draft probably failed too because – I mean, you know, Haskins had McLaurin, but he's not given the opportunity of success. And, you know, Washington was ready to give up on him after the season. And in a game which was not bad, he threw three touchdowns and two interceptions and barely lost. Like, that's not his fault. He still threw for over 200 yards and all that. So, mm, the Redskins did him dirty. They're probably going to ship him out. Hopefully, he'll come to the Bears, and we'll see. But it is also kind of on him because he left college probably one year too early and that weird, weird segment of Ohio State quarterbacks. And speaking of NFC East quarterbacks, that brings me to probably the most anticipated part of this podcast. What happened to Carson Wentz? So in order to fully understand what happened to Carson Wentz, you got to go back all the way when he was drafted with in the uh, 2016 draft at North Dakota State University where he had a pretty good rookie year. And then he, in 2017, has you know was a candidate for the MVP and... Uh, was leading it looks like he would lead the Eagles to the playoffs and then injury struck and then Nick Foles to take over won them the Super Bowl. So even after he came back from injury, he never played at MVP caliber again. He wasn't awful like he is in twenty twenty, but there was this great Wentz versus Dak conversation. And if you want to argue in 2018, 2019, Dak Prescott was definitely the better player. But they were both playing above average, not MVP level, but above average and it was a very popular argument to argue who was the best NFC East quarterback and I mean in 2020 I guess that really took a turn with Dak playing leading the league in yardage for even like a week or two after he got injured uh Carson Wentz playing absolutely awful and I guess let's let's dig into why he's playing awful so after watching a lot of the Eagles film it's I thought it would be a mixture of scheme Carson Wentz and coaching 
And from the looks of it, it kind of just looks like he has no clue what's going on. He looks like a very, very, very lost rookie quarterback. I mean, if you look at a lot of the film, there's a lot of indications where teams are going to play cover two zone versus, like, man. And Carson Wentz has no idea what's going on. Like, sometimes, most times, even, like, rookie quarterbacks know. Like, it looks like Carson Wentz would fail in college. And he just doesn't trust his receivers, and he holds on to the ball too long. And it's kind of what I've seen Justin Fields against Indiana, where he panics. And he's, he's like, awful. And to truly get a sense of how bad he is, I'll read off some of his stats. He has a 58.4 completion rate, 14 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, and a 48.2 quarterback rating, which is pretty awful. And he also has 2,326 yards in the season. And in the growing and growing weeks, more people have asked for... Um, Second round uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma to start, which I think is probably the best idea because the fact that they're three seven three six and one have a shot at the playoffs is absolutely insane, and that one loss could one win one one game could determine if they have the first pick or I'm sorry if they have a top ten pick versus a top twenty pick and make the playoffs. It's pretty insane. So I think if you want any if you want any shot, you gotta I wouldn't say start Jalen Hurts, but definitely get him get him way more involved because Carson Wentz is the biggest problem on this team and it is affecting everybody else and it's really hard to watch. It's like watching a toddler play, toddler with extreme anxiety play quarterback. He has no idea what's going on. And I think after week three, the media asked Doug Peterson, they asked him, you know, what's going on with Carson Wentz? Why is he regressing in year five? And Doug Peterson just said, I don't know. So a simple solution to this, short-term solution is start Jalen Hurts. Long-term solution is draft a quarterback, probably in, in first round, maybe the second round. You could probably draft a wide receiver or some offensive help in the first round. Or I guess I think what I would do is probably draft an O-lineman first because the reason the Eagles won the Super Bowl is because they had the best O-line in the league, and Nick Foles, unlike in Chicago, actually had time, and he could, like, I know I'm going off, getting off track, but the reason Nick Foles was so bad is because he does not trust his O-line. He, has, he, he he thinks he's going to get, like, sacked every play, which kind of looks like he is, but, ex like, he, he just tries to get the ball out so quickly. And same with Carson Wentz is that he's getting sacked and just getting destroyed week after week. And, you know, it's when you don't trust your O-line and you do not trust your receivers, then it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And he, he has taken a lot of hits. Week one, I think he got sacked seven times by that amazing Washington D-line. And I, maybe that was the reason that he started to play bad, is that kind of sent him into shock. But definitely draft, draft an O-line first round. Um, God, imagine if they win the Super Bowl. Oh, okay, draft an O-line in the first round. Probably a wide receiver second round or defensive back second round. Honestly, I could see him do anything. This team needs a lot of help. I haven't even, even started to talk about the defense. I mean, the offense is actually making the defense look bad, like on the Bears, but... um. <laughs> cannot believe this team has a shot at the Super Bowl. That is so insane. If they win the Super Bowl, this will be the... The fact that that'd be the most 2020 thing ever. The Eagles winning the Super Bowl this year, this team, that quarterback. <laughs> the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, is college football defense a thing of the past? Well, let's see. I think everybody knows the quote where Nick Saban says... Um, in terms of college football, I do think defense is a thing of the past, and he is not lying. Uh, I have talked about this previously in some other podcasts, but, like, take Georgia football, for example. Every year they have the best defense in college. They always draft, they always get the, recruit the best defensive players from around the nation. You know, they, year after year, it's the best defense. I mean, but college football is about offense. They, there's a reason they don't win every year. It's because they don't have a quarterback and they don't have an offense. <laughs> they did have the quarterback in Justin Fields, but Kirby Smart made probably the worst decision in all football in football history and started Jake Fromm over <laughs> Justin Fields. And we all know how that went. Justin Fields is balling out, except for last week against Indiana. That was a one-time thing. But he's still a Heisman front runner. Um, yeah, so it sucks. I'm sorry if you're a UGA fan listening to this. I know, I know a couple people are, but... <laughs> You, you knew I could not get through this podcast without mentioning that. And if you want to make an example of, well, like, obviously, this year, 2020 has basically shown that this is the year where defense is no longer needed. 
Jeez. Sorry, Siri popped up. So if it kind of shows that this year is the year that you do not need defense, I mean, any team could win. Like, the top three teams in the nation, number one, Alabama, led up 50 points to an Arkansas team that had six turnover or to a – the number one team in the nation, Alabama, led up 50 points to an Ole Miss team who had six turnovers versus Arkansas. And their run defense looks horrendous and their pass defense too. The former defending champions, LSU, led up 600 – I'm sorry, almost 700 yards to KJ Costello, who hasn't, who's thrown one touchdown since. <laughs> one touchdown. Ohio State's defense led up, I think, a 20-year record of 492 yards versus uh, Math versus Penix and uh, Indiana. So the the goal is not to shut down a team. Like if you're Ohio State and to all the Ohio State fans, you don't have to worry because that is the worst performance you're ever going to see. And starting next week, you're never going to see it again. And it is a mixture of all these teams having partially defensive players opting out. LSU and Ohio State, clearly because half the half the team went to the draft. Ohio State had three first-round draft picks on defense alone last year, which is insane. But you don't need to stop these teams. You just need to slow them down, you know? Maybe, like, everybody knows if Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame play each other, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be, like, 45 to, like, 41. Just who can score the most points and who, you know, it, it, it's going to come down to who can stop the other team once or twice, hold them to a field goal, maybe a punt, and every other time they're going to score, which I don't like. But that, that's another reason I think. Notre Dame is not going to win. A lot of people, way too many people are betting on Notre Dame, which I discussed in my la- the last podcast. If you want to listen to that about why Notre Dame is not going to win and why Trevor Lawrence is bigger than people expect, a veteran quarterback versus a freshman quarterback, I don't care how many yards DJ Uwangalili throws, that is a pretty big difference, and you are going to feel that, especially when half the defense comes back. So Notre Dame is going to lose to Clemson. I think that's pretty clear now, and I'm saying that. Notre Dame is going to lose to Clemson. But back to the topic at hand, Notre Dame has is not known for their offense, more for their defense, and they're just a UGA part two. You know, everybody thinks they're going to win the championship. They're number th- number th- three or four team in the nation, a slightly above average offense. And what happens when you play Alabama, Ohio State, or Clemson is you're going to get torched. <laughs> and if you don't have an offense, that's too bad. Ian Book is not going to Ian Book in that. Yeah, Ian Book's not going to do it for you. So I firmly stand by my statement that Notre Dame is going to get blown out, and they are overrated as usual. And, you know, going back and thinking about it, like last year Ohio State's defense is arguably better than UGA's, and that's because, I mean, you had Chase Young, the best pass rusher of all time coming out of college football. Uh, you have a f- top three you, – you have two top three picks. You know, the best cornerback in the nation, the best defensive end of all time. You have another great cornerback like this. That defense was so good, but it's not like they put up zeros on the board every time. They were still allowing teams to get an average of almost twenty points a game, which I know, like if you put that in NFL terms, that's like what maybe a top ten defense if you're letting up twenty points a game, not even. But in the NF in college football, because it's so high scoring, that's the best defense. And I mean, that the reason the team that team got so far is because unlike Georgia where they only have a good defense Ohio State had a good offense too they had a Heisman front runner for um, quarterback and then they had uh, the best running back in the nation in J.K. Dobbins so you know you need both and defense while it's not needed it's definitely you just need enough to slow them down and if you can but it's it's much more important to have an offense than a defense and that's why you're seeing everybody hand out scholarships way earlier to offensive players. And now for all my now college it's time football fans out there. Something I never I thought I'd discuss Especially if you're a BYU fan, Northwestern Ohio State fan, in the top ten. Wisconsin fan. And if, if you just like college football, you're probably upset about the new college football playoff rankings. And so am I. So let's get right into it. So first of all, I think the biggest shocker is BYU at 14. I know they have a cupcake... A, quote-unquote cupcake schedule and you know that's easy for them to say you know they have a Heisman potentially Heisman winning quarterback you know they have a they have a top three offense in the nation and top five defense they're beating teams by an average of over 28 but 
that's out of their control. I mean, that Boise State team was good. They kind of fell off after they played BYU, but BYU is so much better than some of the teams above them. Like, Georgia at 9 is kind of ridiculous. They, ha- I understand that they beat a quality, they, they beat a top 25 Auburn team, if that's even saying anything, but two losses to the best opponents they've played. Like, this is, I, I don't care if they have JT Daniels who throws for however many yards. They're off, their defense is ruffled up and injured. I mean, so, like, their defense isn't doing anything. They're winning games by, like, four to teams they should be blowing out. They're not the number nine team in the nation. They're not. The fact that BYU would probably beat or Georgia, I'd say that. But BYU at 14, Georgia at nine, it's kind of ridiculous. And then something that really gets on my nerves is Clemson at three and Ohio State at four. And I know these rankings don't matter. If you're Ohio State, you win, you get in. But just, like, the reasoning and... A lot of uh, a lot of media questions about you know Clemson being ranked above Ohio State, and some of the answers were like, "Well, Clemson, you know, besides the Notre Dame game, has been dominant in every single game they played." And you know, I think everybody's response to that is, "So being down twenty-seven to thirteen at home at half to a Boston College team with a bottom twenty-ranked offense in the nation is dominant." I mean, come on. I know Ohio State's defense is horrendous, but you're never going to see that again. People are riding that way too hard. So I guess this is probably a good thing, but just the reasoning behind it is so stupid, and this whole rating thing is so dumb. Northwestern at 8 is probably not the smartest, but... Yeah, but so I'll just I'll, I'll wait until the Northwestern segment before I go off, but I mean, there's just so many things wrong. Indiana is... Indiana should also be ahead of Georgia, so... I don't know who votes for this, and the reasoning is just so dumb. And the people that vote for the Heisman, and I see in their top 25, it is so horrendous that I don't even know how they vote for the Heisman. I think my grandma could do a better job at voting for the Heisman. I don't think she knows many college football teams. It, it's just a really bad system. Also, the playoff system, four teams. I mean, come on, it should be eight. And then if it was eight teams, that'd be so interesting, which I think is probably going to lean towards that. I talked about that in last week's episode or Monday's episode. So let me just read you off. This is the College Football CFP Selection Committee releases their first rankings of the 2020 season. And keep in mind, if you're an Ohio State fan, Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, it doesn't really win. You win out, you get in. So here we are. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Notre Dame. Three, Clemson. Four, Ohio State. Five, Texas A&M. Six, Florida. Seven, Cincinnati. Eight, Northwestern. Nine, Georgia. Ten, Florida. 11, Oklahoma, 12, Indiana, 13, Iowa State, 14, BYU, 15, Oregon, 16, Wisconsin, 17, Texas, 18, Southern California, 19, North Carolina, 20, Coastal Carolina, 21, Marshall, 22, Auburn, 23, Oklahoma State, 24, Iowa, and number 25, Tulsa. So right off the bat, I mean, they talked about how they argue, you know, like, a loss is like weighed more than, you know, strength of schedule, how many games, but yet a number nine Georgia who has lost two games, their two toughest opponents, and, you know, five and two Georgia is ranked nine, and yet BYU undefeated nine and zero against steamrolling everybody is 14. Uh, once again, Clemson, which Clemson at seven and one, like they contradict themselves, they say, oh, uh, uh, we we value losses more than we value games played, and yet Clemson seven and one. I don't care who they played; they are ahead of Ohio State, who's undefeated. Same with Cincinnati and Northwestern and all these teams. I don't know. It's once again, if you're in the top four, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> BYU just got screwed at any chance they wanted for a national championship, which these guys have way too much power, and. I hope that they fix this soon. But, like, now Northwestern has a legitimate shot. Like, they have a cakewalk schedule for... They have three games, and they play, like, Rutgers, Michigan State, and somebody else who I forget. And if they win all those, they're going to be 8-0 and and probably play Ohio State in the championship. And let's just say Ohio State's defense does get worse. Some some way, somehow, Northwestern wins. They're going to be in the playoff, which I guess if, if anybody takes Ohio State's... Ohio State spot in the playoff. I think we all want it to be Northwestern. Now it's time to discuss something that I never thought I'd be talking about on here. 
Northwestern is a top 10 football team in the nation, you know, according to the CFP committee, but after last season, nobody would predict that they're 5-0. and So basically, this all starts when former Indiana quarterback Peyton Ramsey transfers to Northwestern in the offseason, which what I call was the most underrated transfer of the season. And I think if you look at it, it is. I mean, if you look at <laughs> the players that Indiana had at quarterback last year were so awful, and it's part of the reason that their team was just so bad. They had three different quarterbacks start, and they all had more interceptions than touchdowns. They were all averaging... Well, like 55%, 40% completion rates, just not doing it. And so you get this guy in who, he's not he's not the type of guy to throw like 20 touchdowns a game, but he, he's, he plays like an NFL quarterback, and he puts like, if you look at a Northwestern game, it looks like an NFL game. It's low scoring, which I like. A lot of college football fans don't like, which is why they, a lot of people write off Northwestern, is that, <laughs> I know I said before, like the defense is so dominant, or, you know, defense isn't needed, but the offense does enough to keep the defense... They, they, they like, offset each other to the point where it's, like, good enough for college football. So, you know, they're, they're, I understand they're having comeback wins, like, came back first down, what, like, 13 nothing versus Iowa, and they're winning games, like, 20-17. to 17. They beat Wisconsin 17-7, to 7, but, like, Titus or Bowser, the running back, and Peyton Ramsey, and the entire offense is just getting it done. And another thing about the defense is that defense is helping the offense. Like they're they're doing more than just quote unquote slowing teams down. Like I said before, they're they're just stopping them right in their tracks. And statistically, they have the best defense in the nation. And before the game, it, before the Wisconsin game, it's oh, like everywhere it's oh, Wisconsin has you know this Heisman winning freshman quarterback. Look how good he is. And then they lose to Northwestern, all of a sudden it's, damn, this defense is awful. So, you know, which one is it? Is Northwestern is a good team? Or it, it sounds like you're just making excuses for, because you don't like Northwestern. But it, this team is so young and it's so stacked. I mean, Brandon Joseph, a redshirt freshman, is probably, that's a name you, you're going to start to hear a lot. He's going to be, he's going to be on this team and get better each year. And I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Also, it's surprising because this team doesn't have, like, if I compare them to Ohio State's defense, they don't have first-round cornerback, first-round cornerback, first-round cornerback, third-round defensive tackle, top-three pick defensive end, uh, like, second-round linebackers. They have, like, solid, they have, like, NFL-ready players, but they're not generational Ohio State players. And that's all thanks to, I think, um, Pat Fitzgerald, like, they're turning this team into what is, like, a lot of these players are going to go to the NFL. Like, Patty Fisher, linebacker, I'd love to see him. I see him on a lot of, I've seen him on a lot of draft boards go to Chicago, which would be amazing. But they have a lot of all Big Ten, all American, and future NFL players. My favorite is probably Peyton Ramsey because he just gets the job done. But there's also, like I said before, Bowser and Leota, and the whole defense is so good. I mean, Brandon Gallagher, another, like, they have arguably the two best linebackers in the nation. When you have players like Brandon Joseph and Gal um, Brandon Gallagher and Patty Fisher, like, obviously America does not know these people, but they're pretty damn amazing. And I think Brandon Gallagher is probably going to be maybe like a fifth round and Patty Fisher like a sixth or seventh rounder. And I know that's not a first rounder, but the fact that they're getting drafted is said enough. Brandon Joseph, by the time he's a junior or senior, and if everything keeps going the way it's going, he's going to be a first-round pick. So his team is loaded with talent that nobody saw coming. And uh, they held. And what I still think is they're really good at Wisconsin offense. They've So coming into the game, Wisconsin had Graham Mertz, the freshman quarterback. Like, Wisconsin was beating opponents like 42-10, 38-20. Like, they're blowing these teams out of the water. And, you know, coming in, I know it was only two games, but, you know, coming in, they're so confident in all this. Graham Rich just have an interception. And then they force five turnovers on this team. It's like the turnovers that keep getting it done and done and done. I know people are complaining, oh, the refs won the game, but I don't care what the refs did. You forced five turnovers. Like, come on. So this defense is, will get you with the turnovers. And they will keep the score low, which is pretty amazing. And... So right now, I think the Vegas odds are a 76% chance that Ohio State will play Northwestern. 
and I, it, that's going to happen. And they will lose, but it's going to be a closer game than people expect. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, but the future for Northwestern is very bright. And um, after I saw them play last year against Ohio State in Chicago or in Evanston. That team was so awful. I mean, Ohio State, yeah, they weren't even trying, and they put up 38 points. It looked like they were, looked like they took mercy on them, and this team is so different, and they're filled with so much confidence, and they have so many good players that flew under everybody's radar. Like like I said before, Gordon, uh, Gordon Ramsay, Peyton Ramsey, the most underrated transfer in off-cut football, it's starting to pay off, and I was so happy when he went to Northwestern. So if you're a Northwestern fan, Enjoy the ride while it lasts. You're going to get a lot of national attention, and this this will probably this will be good. You know, you're going to be so best case scenario right now. I think would be Northwestern. Okay, the greatest scenario of all time is that you know they win the championship. But the best, most realistic scenario right now is Northwestern wins out. They play Ohio State and they keep it close. Maybe lose by seven to fourteen. I don't. Ohio State's offense is the best in the country when they're working. Like, that defense can only do so much. And so I think it'll be close, maybe like a 20, 20, mm, I don't know, maybe like a 21, 28. So they're going to, all right, let's just say they lose by seven. And in the next couple years, they stay solidly ranked between 25 and 15. And you start seeing that in the recruiting. So it's kind of like an upward trail. And I really hope, I said this before a couple years ago when, Northwestern played Ohio State in the playoff, but or I'm sorry, in the Big Ten championship, and you know the next season they was awful. They won like three games, but I think this one is for real. I'm sorry, I don't think this is, this is for real. Northwestern will be good in years to come. This team will only get better in the off season, so be afraid. This Northwestern is long, no longer a cakewalk, and I mean I just cannot believe Northwestern is the eighth best team in the country. Whether they are is debatable, but they're definitely here to stay. So get used to it. Get used to this defense. <laughs> I think that one more thing is that um, they use the media attention that they're not getting to their advantage, and they're still being disrespected. Uh, what is it? Joey Galloway called them a bunch of fighting Reese Davises, and <laughs> those fighting Reese Davises held Wisconsin's offense to five turnovers and seven points. And I, in fact, they haven't let up a single point in the second half all season. That's pretty. That's pretty amazing. Now it's time for everybody's favorite part: uh, answering questions I get in my Instagram DMs. So if you want me to answer your question, just DM me on Instagram at cooper.hopcraft with two T's, and I will answer your question. So let me pull up question from. <laughs> I think I can read her name out loud. Mr. Hopcraft, what is your favorite thing about football? Thanks, Ashley. Um. Ooh, this is tough. It's probably because there's no other sport like football. I mean, it's the fact that you get to wake up, go hit a man a hundred times in three hours and get away with it. That's pretty amazing. Just, just so unique in itself and probably like the, how fast it goes. And there's something about it that I just can't explain. Maybe it's how they play once a week and you get so amped up for it. It's definitely part of it. It's also the fact that it's like a winner take all. There's no ties, and there's like a clock running down. So it's you know whoever can score the most time, most points in this time, and you know it, a lot of times it comes down to the final drive, and it's like an elaborate way of like keeping track of time and equipment, and it's just like it keeps you on your feet. You know it's interesting from quarter one to quarter four. It's I don't know. There's a reason it's the most viewed sport per capita in the world. Our next question. <coughs> I know Dallas. Dallas's defense is so bad. Where do you draft, and what? Who do you get? So obviously Dallas's defense is so bad. The run defense is actually the worst. It's historically bad. They're letting up over, over. I think. I, although it has gotten better in recent years, so it's went down for, from the worst defense in the last twenty years to the last the worst run defense in the last 10 years I don't know I, that's even achievement <laughs> but so you're obviously going to want to get somebody for the run and I've thought about this a lot number one it <laughs> if they don't win out in the NFC East which is insane so 
scenario one is that they do not finish first in the NFC to make the playoffs, which is good because that team doesn't win a Super Bowl anyway. And if you're going to suck, you might as well get a good pick out of it. And if you're going to if you're going to go run defense, then you're going to have to go Marvin Wilson, defensive tackle out of Florida State, top ten pick. Uh, f- poor Florida State fans. Uh, it already, the season was already bad enough. Your best player on the team, top ten pick in the nation, opts out, and your quarterback opts out too. So it sucks to be a Florida State fan, but this is definitely a guy you want. He's going to be, like, there's obviously some guys that you take risks risks on, but this is definitely not one of them. He's going to be at least a starter. And, you know, this team's going to need a lot of work to fix in the secondary and especially in the run game. But if if you want to, like, fix the run game, you got to start with getting Marvin Wilson. He, he'll probably be a pro bowler. And, yeah, but so scenario two, I guess, would be, they win out in the NFC East, which is, you know, make the playoffs, lose first round, all that, because it's so contested there, and the fact that the Dallas Cowboys could go like what, five and eleven and <laughs> make the playoffs, like that's insane. So if they do make the playoffs, and they lose first round, which and which they will, they might have like the twentieth pick, and I think you could trade that pick for Geno Atkins, um, who is old but. He's reliable, and he's kind of, he'll definitely, even though he's 33, you're definitely going to feel his presence, and from, he's a defensive tackle from Cincinnati Bengals, former Pro Bowler, All-Pro, all that, and so, if if they make the playoffs, I think that's a move, or if, Mar- or if they don't make the playoffs, they, you can draft Marvin Wilson, and then maybe spend a second round pick, maybe, you know, trade some guys for Geno Atkins, too. Uh, also, although I think you would draft, if I were them, if I were the Dallas Cowboys, draft Marvin Wilson one, second round, definitely draft a defensive back, and to fire the entire defense, I don't, I don't care what Jerry Jones says, fire that entire team, don't fire defense. Okay, one more question here, um, what is the worst case and best case scenario of the Joe Burrow injury, and what do you think is most likely outcome? Okay, so for those who don't know, Joe Burrow got a absolutely horrendous injury in um, the game against... Oh, who did they play? Let me look it up. Um, what was it, like the 49ers? Jeez, they're 2-7. 2-7-1. So they play... Oh, it was Washington's right. So Joe Burrow went down against Washington... And he tore not only his ACL, but his MCL. And he has a lot of nerve damage. And I think right now you just got to get him back. It might be over a year. It might be two years. But you have got to get him back. He was... Joe Burrow is the best rookie. I don't... Like... I know Justin Herbert's putting up 350 yards and three touchdowns and an interception a game. But Joe Burrow plays on the Bengals. The Bengals have the one of the worst lines in the league. And... What the Bengals have asked Joe Burrow to do is way more than anybody's ever gotten. The Bengals have asked Joe Burrow to do more as a rookie than I've ever seen before. I mean, if you look at him, if if I grab somebody off the streets who doesn't watch football and ask him to look, he does not play like a rookie. And it's the beard, it's the way he plays, it's everything he asks. Like, he's carrying this franchise single-handedly, this 23-year-old man, rookie. I mean, the fact that he goes down, your team's going to suck. Like, people are, your viewership's going to go down, hype's going to go down. Like, that's a bigger blow for the Bengals than it is for Joe Burrow. And the fact that he had, what, 16 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, and, like, everything, his stats are so good for the Bengals. You're not, like, no, nobody else in the league, Justin Herbert does not put up those stats on the Bengals. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. <laughs> so, going back to the question, best case scenario, he comes back beginning of next season completely fine and better worst case scenario was he's done for life <laughs> like he doesn't pick up a football again which i do not want to imagine but i think what's most likely going to happen is oh god not joe burrow man oh, jesus i think the most likely scenario is that he'll come back maybe week one or two next year it might even be halfway through the year and um come back to normal strength but the Bengals have got to get him some help this 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 year this off, off season and I guess going off of that uh god who they draft 
I think you got to get him some pass rush help. Jesus, uh, team needs help all over, but you definitely have to go defense. Draft an, you could also trade up and draft an alignment, but I think on my draft board, let me pull it up. I have him drafting Gregory Rousseau, a defensive end out of Miami who opted out, so you probably haven't heard of him, but he is definitely the best pick for the Bengals. And if Geno Atkins stays, which he probably will, a mixture of Geno Atkins and Gregory Rousseau, Sam Hubbard is exactly what this team needs, especially after trading away. Um, uh, oh, who's the guy who went to Seattle and is now playing well? Carlos Dunlap. So they trade Carlos Dunlap, and of course he's balling out. And Sam Hubbard's definitely a, he's definitely a starter worthy. He's he's a guy I think everybody wants on your team. He's not he's borderline Pro Bowl level above average, but he gets the job done. So you could have Gregory Rousseau, Carlos Dunlap, and Geno Adkins. That's pretty deadly force. Uh, honestly, this team could draft anywhere, any position at any time. But I think most likely you're going to draft Geno Adkins first. So, and then you could probably get a definitely some offensive help, maybe an offensive lineman in the second round. I think they have two second round picks. All right, saying they do, you could draft the defense Gregory Rousseau first first round, top three, probably five pick from what it's looking like the Bengals. Um, draft a cornerback and an offensive lineman second round. So this team definitely should get better, and also make some moves in the O line or in the off season. Same with same. They're in the same situation as the Bears. Is that you don't need all pro, pro bowler, you know, well known tackles and guards and offensive linemen. You just need someone who can get the job done, you know, for cheap. And I, there's definitely a lot of guys who who are looking like they're going to be on the market this year. Mike Pouncey, uh, a bunch of guys I can't even think of right now. But there's a lot of things you can do as the Bengals, and it's really risky right now because your entire franchise is riding on a rookie, which is also you know I'm, I'm going in circles. Joe Burrow is the best rookie. Bengals have a lot they can do. I pray Joe Burrow comes back. <laughs> I know that's a long answer to your question. And you know what? Just I know a lot of you guys wanted me to do a couple. Of you guys wanted me to do a mock draft, and I know it's probably early. But if you if you want if you want to see me do a mock draft, let me know, and I will for sure do one. Uh, I might even have to do a video of it and post it up on my on the YouTube. But let me know. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm your host. Cooper Hopcraft, you've been listening to the Air Raid Pro- Podcast brought to you by Red Zone Sports and Hip Dead Radio. Uh, make sure to tune in next week where I will be interviewing a college or a 2021 college wide receiver. Uh, you do not want to miss that, but thank you and good night.